0: Scripture reading for today's lesson is from the book of Psalms, chapter 136, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. It's a blessing to be together this Lord's Day. We're thankful for the many that we have here this morning. We have those who are visiting with us. We're especially glad that you have come our way, that you have stopped in, chosen to worship God with us this morning. We are humbled by that, and we are honored to have you as our guest. We hope that you might be able to stick around and get to visit with us a little bit after services are over. This year we have been looking at our theme and Rejoice Always, Pray Without Ceasing, and in everything Give Thanks. And this morning we're going to be looking at the idea of why we ought to give thanks. In Psalm 136 in our reading this morning that we had, you, I hope you noticed how it began. It said, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his ever for his loving kindness is everlasting. Get in verse two. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. You see, the idea that is ingrained and embedded into this psalm is to give thanks. Many times I think if you were probably brought up in a household that respected good manners, you were probably taught to say thank you and you're welcome and those kinds of things. Maybe yes ma'am and uh, no ma'am or those kinds of things. But expressing thankfulness is just something that seems like it ought to be done because it's using good manners. But it's something that does not always come naturally. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 17, there's an instance here in Jesus' ministry. Whenever He heals ten lepers, and perhaps you'll recall in Luke chapter 17, uh, that He's entering into this village, and ten lepers, they approach Jesus, and they say in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us and he sees them and he heals them of their leprosy it's an extraordinary act of kindness that Jesus shows but things get interesting there because Jesus tells them to go and present themselves to the priest as the law of Moses would have required But he says in verse 15, Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Here is this one Samaritan. And there's a lot of lessons here that we can unpack that I wish we had time to. But what I want you to see is that only one out of ten thought to come back and give glory to God and express thanksgiving for their healing. They took something for granted that was not required to be given to them. How many times do we take something for granted? That's why we need to think about this subject. It's an important one. We need to think about giving thanks because it doesn't always come naturally to us. And yet Jesus implies that He expected thanksgiving to be returned to God. If we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and follow in His Life and his conduct, he returned thanks to God. In John, the sixth chapter, in the Gospel of John, in John chapter six, and in verse 11, as Jesus is feeding the 5,000, it says there in verse 11 Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also the fish as much as they wanted later on in verse 23 of the same chapter there were there came other small boats from Tiberius near the to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks that seems to be something that we take for granted doesn't it whenever we sit down and we might eat and we might say a prayer and ask God's favor and blessing over the food but here this geographical location is marked by the point where Jesus ate, where they ate of the loaves and where Jesus gave thanks. It's something that is a hallmark in Jesus, in his life. Paul, the apostle, also gave thanks in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 28. In Acts, the 28th chapter, and in verse 15. In Acts chapter 28 and verse 15, as Paul is on his way as a prisoner to Rome, they had found some of the brethren. And it says in verse 15, And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Apius and three ends to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. And whenever he sees brethren, he gave thanks to God. Giving thanks is no small thing. And it's something that we need to recognize in Scripture as critical and important and a characteristic of being a Christian. So much so that the Hebrew writer would write in Hebrews chapter 13, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. When we worship, we are giving thanks to God. When we sing praises to him, We give thanks to God. Giving thanks is the sacrifice of our lips and it's an important part of who we are as God's children. It's not something that we should neglect. It's certainly not something that we should just take for granted that we will naturally do because we've already seen that it's something that might be very unnatural for us and that many people do not offer thanksgiving for what they do. And this is something that should be so deeply embedded into our life as a child of God that we need to be doing this every day. It needs to be something that is part of who we are. And so why do we need to give thanks? Why should we give thanks to God? Well, this morning I want us to consider three reasons on why we should give thanks to the Lord. Why it is proper and appropriate for us to return our thanksgivings to God. And the first thing is, is that it is to make known God's good deeds. Turn with me to the book of 1 Chronicles in the 16th chapter. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16... As you have here, this is a psalm of thanksgiving. He begins as David does in verse 7. It says, Then on that day David first assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord. And then you have this psalm of David. O oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. You continue on in its call to worship and to sing songs of praise and to glorify God's name, to seek the Lord. But you continue on down to verse 34. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Then say, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nation to give thanks to Your holy name. Then again in verse 41, With them were Heron, Heman, and Jeduthan, and the rest who were chosen, who were designated by name to give thanks to the Lord because His loving kindness is everlasting. You see in this psalm and in the actions that David and those whom he had called and enlisted to be part of this worship before God, they were called to give thanks. And as we find in verse eight, 8, oh, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. Now whenever we give thanks, it's an opportunity for evangelism. It's an opportunity for others to come to know what God has done for us and in our life. In the book of Psalms, in Psalm 105... In Psalm 105 and in verse 1, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. That as Jesus, whenever he was feeding the 5,000, as he was breaking the bread, and he returned thanks and gave thanks to God, that is something that is good that we ought to do. When we eat a meal, We don't need to take that for granted. We need to offer our thanksgiving. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and in verse 4, he says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. Have you ever been in a restaurant and you've stopped and you've prayed and, you know, that might have been normal or at least not completely abnormal at one point. But now it seems like it's very abnormal if people stop and pray and give thanks to God. But usually, at least whenever I've been in a restaurant or something like that and I offer thanks, It seems that people will say thank you for doing that or they recognize that you do that. They see it. It becomes something very obvious. And think about the opportunities that that might give you to raise a discussion with someone that's there, that stopped and saw your actions, that by just returning thanks to God for the food that is before you, you have an opportunity to talk to someone, don't you? You get to tell them about what God has done for you in your life and how God has made it possible for you to have this meal and to enjoy it and to share it, that you work and that God has blessed you immensely in that. You give people a chance to see your faith and you are declaring God's goodness and what He provides for you. When you think about how Jesus healed those lepers, and he expected thanks to be returned, and yet it did not occur. I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes about Timothy and Epaphroditus, and how these are some important workers in the ministry, that these are people that Paul can rely upon. But what's interesting about Epaphroditus is that he got sick. And in Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 25, Paul says, But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Don't you see that Paul, while he doesn't say expressly in, in a direct sense that he gave thanks, can't you tell that he is thankful that he still has Epaphroditus? That he doesn't have sorrow upon sorrow? That he is not just captive by grief? He goes on in verse 30 because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. That Paul has admiration for Epaphroditus. And whenever you have someone that you care about, that you love in this life, whether it be a child who might be sick, or whether it be a parent who is ailing and getting older and that you are having to care for, or if it is a good friend of yours who is facing cancer and is going through treatments, whether it's a procedure that is having to be done, have some sort of health crisis... That you need to stop and you need to give thanks for that person, don't you? That you've had them in your life. You can ask for God's blessing upon that. But whenever you stop and do that and whenever God responds in that prayer, whenever He oversees providentially that through the work of medicine that someone is healed or through surgery someone is able to overcome the ailment that they are dealing with, You get to declare that God is the protector of life, that God is the one who helps. You get to declare God's goodness and what He does in your life. As Psalm 106 and verse 1 opens with praise the Lord, Oh, give thanks to the Lord For He is good. We need to give thanks to God. Because He does good things for us. And when we stop, when we pause, when we do an inventory of God's blessings in our life, we give an opportunity to declare and to make known God's good deeds to others as well that's one reason why we need to give thanks to god a second reason that we need to give thanks to the lord is because of salvation and restoration through christ I invite you to be turning in your bibles to the book of isaiah in isaiah chapter 11 in isaiah chapter 11 this is a chapter that is full of messianic implications. And Isaiah is writing about the one that is to come from the stem of Jesse, from, through David's lineage, whom the Spirit of the Lord is going to rest upon, and he's going to have wisdom, he's going to offer counsel, and he's going to have knowledge, and he's going to delight in doing the things of God. But at the close of Isaiah chapter 11, and beginning in verse 11, he begins to talk about this remnant that this remnant of those who are saved, those who are believing in God's goodness, they will be saved, they will be rescued, the residue of Israel. He says in verse 11, Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with His hand the remnant of His people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And all of God's people who have been dispersed that are throughout all the other nations they are going to be preserved, that God is going to protect and save this remnant as He goes on in verse 12. And He will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah that what was broken up in the divided kingdom, Israel and Judah, it's going to be reunited. You have restoration that takes place. He goes on in verse Thirteen, then the jealousy of Ephraim will depart, and those who harass Judah will be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of the Philistines on the west. Together they will plunder the sons of the east. They will possess Edom and Moab, and the sons of Ammon will be subject to them, and the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt, and he will wave his hand over the river with a scorching wind, and he will strike it into seven streams and make men walk over dry shod, And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant of his people who will be left, just as there was for Israel in the day that they came up out of the land of Egypt." And all of this, I think, is very poetic kind of language. It's very figurative language. Talking about God's deliverance is rooted in the idea of being saved from Egypt a second time, but Israel never really went to Egypt a second time, right? God is going to deliver them. It's the same kind of language, it's very thematic here. In its ideas, that God is going to save and preserve a spiritual group of people who believe in the Messiah. In verse 11, when it says, Then it will happen on that day. That becomes an an important contextual clue. What day? It's the day of the Messiah. It's the day that the shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. That he talks about in verse 1. It's the day when the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little boy will lead them. In verse 10, then in that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse who will stand as a signal for the people and his resting place will be glorious. It's, for, it's in that day that we have the Messiah, the one who had come from David who will be king. Jesus Christ. And you go on in chapter 12 and... If you know me, you know that I like to sometimes complain about the chapter breaks in the Bible. This is probably one of them. Because you continue on in chapter 12 and verse 1. After all of this, after we find out that there's this highway where the remnant of His people are going to be passing forth, it says in verse twelve, chapter 12 and verse 1, Then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord on that day when the Messiah and the Savior has established His people, when people are looking to the Christ and are submissive to Him and have been saved by Him, what will we do? We will give thanks to God. He goes on in verse 1, for although you are angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. Therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. In that day you will call, give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make known His deeds among the people. Doesn't that sound like the song that we sang, He is in our midst? I'm going blank. I was going to, I was just about to try to quote the song. For all from the springs of salvation make known His deeds among the people. Isn't that how it goes? Make them remember that His name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for He has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. That whenever you stop and you ponder and you think about what we have had accomplished, what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ, that He has accomplished our salvation through Jesus of Nazareth, the only appropriate response is to stop and give thanks. Which is precisely what you see the Apostle Paul doing in the Book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter three. In Ephesians chapter three, and just bear in mind in in Isaiah chapter eleven, Isaiah has prophesied that this that the one that is going to come from David is going to be a, a leader for all nations, for all people. Jew and Gentile. And in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul is writing about the mystery that has been revealed to him. And he says in verse 6, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And through the gospel of Christ, you have salvation, you have restoration. And it's available for all people. You know what he does after that? Paul writes a prayer. As he says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. There are tremendous blessings found in Christ in being saved from wrath, in being saved from your sins, in certain condemnation and punishment. Do you give thanks to God every day for that? If not, I suggest that we all should. If we have been forgiven of our sins, we need to thank God all the time. We need to thank God for the sacrifice of Christ That through the means of Jesus' blood that we can be atoned and we can be forgiven, we can be cleansed from our sins. That's a reason to give thanks to God, is it not? And so we need to appreciate and recognize the salvation and the working of God that He has forgiven us and cleansed us and washed our sins away and has restored us, bringing us into His kingdom, blessing us through the love of Christ that we can be filled up to the fullness of God. We can enjoy all of God's rich blessings. And then, our third reason that we should give thanks and the final consideration for us this morning that we should give thanks to God because God answers prayer now it might be easy for us to conflate the idea of giving thanks with prayer right because you have passages like Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 6 where he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Offering thanks is indeed an aspect of our prayers. But we need to parse this out a little bit. I think we need to separate it. Not completely untether it, but we need to separate it a little bit. We need to recognize that a reason that we should offer thanks in our prayers is because we see God answering prayer. This will create a cyclical effect where we pray and we make requests of God We then recognize His faithfulness and the answer to our prayers. And so then what do we do? We return thanksgiving once again. If we don't incorporate giving of thanks into our life and into our prayers, then you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to pray without ceasing. We just won't. Because to pray without ceasing, you have to be very much aware of what God is doing in your life and you have to be returning that thanks to Him. Thanksgiving should cause us to stop and to take inventory of our life and of God's blessings, whether they be physical and material blessings or relationships or spiritual blessings. How many times in... This doesn't just apply for our congregational prayers, or public prayers, but this is certainly something that we can incorporate here, but it also needs to be incorporated into our life once we leave this church building. How often do we give thanks to God for our homes, the houses that we have, the the places where we live and the health that we have, the ability to go out and work and to make a living, to provide for our family and to have extra. (laughs) where We are able to do more than just provide for the most basic of necessities. How many times do we stop and give thanks for our friends in our life? The relationships that we're building. The family that we have. The good neighbors that we have. How many times do we stop and thank God for elders who oversee the work and for deacons who take care of many of the mundane things but that need to be done how many times do we offer thanksgiving to god for the teachers who care and volunteer their time and i might also add giving of thanks doesn't mean that we only give thanks to god we need to thank those people to their face We need to thank them. We need to thank them for their willingness to serve and the roles that they have taken on, the responsibilities that they have taken on. We all need to be thanking each other. (laughs) Thank you ought to be a word that is used frequently among God's people. But I want you to see that you have to kind of untether that from our prayers, don't we? Because in the book of Daniel, for instance, in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel and his friends had been taken into Babylon. They were in in captivity there. And Nebuchadnezzar, he had had this dream that no one could reveal the meaning of, of that mystery. And so Daniel had been brought in before the king that he might be able to declare the interpretation of it. And what I find to be fascinating is that Daniel, he is very humble. And he stops before he offers any interpretation to God. It says in verse 18, so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. That before they open their mouth to speak, they are humble and they make a request of God. You can read of that prayer in verse 20. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. And then in verse 23, To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you. You have made known to us, the king's of matter the point being here very simple God had revealed this to Daniel then Daniel prays and thanks God for making it known to him God answers prayer why should you pray without ceasing because you see God answering prayer, and so you just continue to offer thanks. That you, when you, you pray to God, you thank God, and you ask God, you make requests to God. When you see that those requests are answered in some fashion or some way, you thank God. And so it just creates a cycle of... A, repetition in your life. It creates a constant cycle of prayer where we thank God, we receive blessings from God, and then we return thanks for what He has given us. We need to thank God for wisdom as Daniel did. James tells us in James chapter 1 that whenever we are suffering trials, when we are going through hard times, that if any of you lacks wisdom, in James 1 and verse 5, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Whenever things are hard in your life, pray to God. Give thanks to God. Especially whenever He blesses you and offers relief. From the trial. In verse 12, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Thank God for wisdom. When there are challenging things that occur in your life and you're not certain at what you ought to say or how you ought to say it. When there are challenging relationships in your life, whether it be among brethren or whether it be outside of the church and maybe at work, pray to God. Ask for wisdom. Ask for His help. And when He does answer it, you thank God again. I love the song of thanksgiving. That's offered in First Samuel chapter two by Hannah. You'll remember in chapter one you're introduced to Hannah and she is barren. She cannot give birth to child. She is mocked. And her husband is certainly not offering any compassionate help or relief. To her. And eventually after years of praying, she is given a son whom she dedicates to the Lord. And she says in verse, it says in verse 20 it came about in due time in chapter one in verse 20, it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived, that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. She has been praying constantly to God to answer this prayer. And then what happens in chapter 2? Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly. Against my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. In verse 5 of chapter 2, those who were full hire themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. That, though, that you see this reversal process, don't you? Because of God's blessings and His providence. Whenever you have children, give thanks to God. Maybe it is that you you face challenges in having children. Give thanks to God when He has blessed you. God answers prayer. And when He answers prayer, it deserves a response of thanksgiving. And so we need to give thanks to God. We need to do so to make known His good deeds to other people. We need to give thanks because of the salvation that we have through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we need to give thanks to God because God answers prayer. Those are three reasons that I find that we need to give thanks. We need to give thanks with some urgency behind it. If you would, and turn with me to one final passage. In Isaiah chapter 38, in Isaiah chapter 38, King Hezekiah. He had been become ill to the point of death. And he was told that he needs to set his house in order. And he prayed to God, and God graciously heard that prayer and extended his life by fifteen years. And it says in Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 9, a writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. And we have the words of Hezekiah recorded here. And you skip on down to verses 18 and 19. And notice what Hezekiah has written, preserved through the writing of Isaiah. He says, for Sheol, that is the grave, cannot thank you, Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is the living who give thanks to you, as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. After this life is over, you're not going to be able to give thanks to God anymore. You need to give thanks to God today while you're still living while you have opportunity, while you have breath in your body. Give thanks to the Lord. That's something that only the living can do. But you know what else we need to do? We need to look at why Hezekiah was writing these words with such earnestness with such thanksgiving because God had told him to do something set your house in order something that he had neglected in his life and he needed more time this morning you might be realizing you've not given enough thanksgiving to God and you've been wasting a lot of your life maybe you've been going against God's will in your life. You've been engaged in sin. And that you are not in a right relationship with the Lord. You need with the same urgency as Hezekiah to pray, to turn to God, to correct your life. And if you are not a Christian, we implore you this morning to come to Him in faith believing in Jesus as the Son of God be baptized in water to have your sins washed away to be cleansed to become his child and then you can offer thanks giving to God for the salvation and the cleansing of sin from your life God is a God of salvation he is a God who restores is a God of deliverance. And that is worth praising God and thanking Him for such. So this morning, we extend to you an invitation an invitation to give thanks to the Lord, because He is the one who offers life and thanksgiving. And as the psalmist would write in Psalm 44. In Psalm 44 and in verse 4, You are my King, O God. Command victories for Jacob. And he continues on talking about the deliverance of God. And he says in verse 8, In God we have boasted all day long and we will give thanks to Your name forever. And we are able to... Enjoy a right relationship with God where we can give thanks to Him forever. Begin doing that today. If we can help you in some way respond to the Lord's invitation, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?